The Netherlands, written by Richard Crystal. It's great to be back in the Netherlands, even if the ongoing lockdown has made it more of a virtual tour than we'd like. It's such a creative market where brewers feel liberated to pick their favourite traditions from all over the world and run with them in creative ways. It wasn't always like that way. Bart Van Cleef from Ilja Brewery trained would-be beer sommeliers in the history of Dutch brewing. Understood its decline and the corresponding rise in Belgian and German styles in his home market. At the end of the 19th century, the Netherlands were known for some of the distinct regional styles. A lot of little regions here were bringing out their own types of beer, but that all fell apart after the introduction of Bavarian style lagers. By the time we'd been through the First and Second World Wars, with the shortages of ingredients they brought, pretty much our whole brewing heritage was gone. But that left the field wide open for brewers with capital to step in with mass-produced lagers that spoke to everybody. That remained the case until the 1980s, when a handful of smaller brewers popped up in response to the dominance of lager and started making top-fermenting beers in the Belgian tradition. At the high point of that decade, there were around 25 breweries across the country, but most were on a very small scale. This all changed when between 2005 and 2010, with an explosion of new brewers inspired by what they saw in other nations, and by the homegrown success of De Molen, which led the charge in 2004. Today there are over 700 breweries in the Netherlands, which, considering its relatively small population, makes it one of the most brewery-dense countries in the world. The scenes continue to grow, and of course, also continue to evolve. As Pim Zomajik from De Morschleutel Brewery observes, Dutch drinkers have really come around to exploring other styles over the past few years. When everyone just drank Pilsners or the easy Belgian styles, craft breweries were under a lot of pressure to do the same. But tastes are really changing, and with better reach to export markets, you can build a good business on more export styles these days. Menno Olivier, founder of De Molen, agrees. And he should know, having watched the transformation play out with his own business. Especially when you're one of the first pushing at the door with unfamiliar beer styles, you really see the change. A lot of people made the turn to craft, but it's still less than 5% of the total market. So there's still a lot of people still to turn, because they're still lager boys. Wow, three stills in one sentence. There's so many stills in that sentence you could make whiskey on it. A lot of the time it's just about opportunity though. I'm rebuilding a house and the guys here after work, they all get a beer. It's my beer because Heineken doesn't come into my house. So they have a choice. One of the oldest guys is 61 and he really loves our New England IPA. People try it, people love it. They tell their friends. That's how you start a fire. While we in the UK might have a slightly blinkered view that the Netherlands consists solely of Amsterdam, the breweries in this month's box are a testament to the fact that it pays to widen your net. There's a real sense of camaraderie and respect among the better craft breweries across the nation. We'll regularly get together and talk about trends, even though there's obviously some competition between us. We're all still pushing to make craft beer a greater proportion of the total Dutch market, says Pim. Yet there's also a hint of unease that the market may be oversaturated in terms of sheer numbers of breweries, and there's a good many may not be strong enough, either commercially or in terms of their quality, to survive the current difficulties. We have so many breweries here now, says Menno. Even with exports, it's too many for a population of our size. All fighting for the same draft points. We'll manage because we have some flesh on our boats. But I think some of them won't survive the drop in sales from this corona thing. 
This danger could be exacerbated by the fact that, in recent years, many Dutch craft breweries have moved away from contract brewing, which has been almost the norm in this part of the world, in favour of their own bricks and mortar. Mano continues, When you rent a brewery, you're in less danger than if you just invested in a whole lot of kit. Some of them opened just a couple of weeks before we got the lockdown, so I don't know how it's looking for them. We'll just have to wait and see how things look after this is all over, but I'm sure it will reshape things, yes. There is undoubtedly still room for the best breweries to steal the market share from the micro players though. And as the Dutch craft scene grows in confidence, more standing, excellent new brewers will inevitably rise up and join the ranks, bringing their own fresh ideas. As they forged a new brewing heritage in the Netherlands, I'm curious as to whether it will simply be an evolution of global trends, or whether we might see a resurgence into those traditional regional styles that were killed off more than a century ago. I asked Ilves Bart. You can go into the archives in cities that were known as Brucicis and find clues to these older recipes, he says. People have been recreating ghost beers. For example, Cute, that's K-U-I-T, is now recognised as a beer style by the Brewers Association, though that's pretty much the only traditional style being brewed now. So sure, we all brew IPAs and barley wines because that's what the market wants today. But these things come and go, so why not traditional Dutch styles? We start this week's beer show with a couple of bottles of my homebrew. Last week we finished on my beers from the 14th of August and I just kept going over that weekend and through the next week. On Saturday the 15th of August at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon I was catching up with Arrow. I was building up to watching the Crisis on Infinite Earth saga and I decided while I was watching Arrow I'd have a bottle of my homebrew mocha porter. It was homebrew American mocha porter. It's really nice. I didn't do a tape review of it because I just wanted to sit there and enjoy it while I was watching the telly. Delicious as ever. This was our second batch of homebrew, and the first one that was bottled. All the way back at the beginning of June, we started making this. It was bottled on the 21st of June, so it was ready for drinking by about mid-July. So it had been sat in the bottles for about a month at this point. And it's really nice, it's creamy, chocolatey, everything you'd expect from mocha porter. Absolutely delicious. A little bit of bitterness, a little bit of toffee. I have a bottle every now and again. I've still got loads left because these kits make 40 bottles. And I've probably even drunk about half of them. It was really delicious. I gave it a 4 out of 5. I may have to buy another one of these kits and do another one of this because this is really, really nice. I really enjoy it. I do still have a bottle of this at my house along with a couple of others. Then later that evening at about 25 to 10, I had to be out the keg because we've got this plastic mini keg. Bottle most things, but every so often we do one in a keg. We did our first brew in the keg because the keg came with the homebrew kit. Then we decided to do the mocha portal and bought a load of bottles and me and my dad have just been buying bottles ever since. But we did one, this was my dad's recipe choice. This was a Scottish Wee Heavy. And this one went in the keg. So this was Young's Homebrew Scottish Wee Heavy. Which we started on the 23rd of July and kegged on the 3rd of August. And that one came out at 5.5%. And yeah, I quite enjoy that. It's quite nice, I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. And I was drinking it while I was playing a game of Forza Horizon 4. And I put an off-the-cuff comment is drinking strong beer while playing a driving game allowed? And then on the 16th of August, my next batch of homebrew was ready. An Imperial Red Ale from Bulldog Brews, called Bad Cat. And this thing came out at a whacking 7.74%. And again, I was catching up with Arrow while I was watching this one. I drank this at 9 o'clock at night, because it's a bit strong to drink in the afternoon. And the comment I put on this one was, Sweet and juicy. Delicious. Something refreshing while I catch up with Arrow. Prairie's Keys. These guys come from Middleburg in Zeeland, Netherlands. That's Zeeland in the Netherlands. 
rather than Zealand, in Denmark. So this is Z-E-E-L-A-N-D. Whereas Zealand in the Netherlands, the island on which Copenhagen is located and a couple of the breweries I brought you the other week, is Z-E-A-L-A-N-D, as in New Zealand. Anyway, life's too short for boring middle-of-the-road beers. Craft Brewery Keys stands for tasty, fruity, hoppy flavours and strong dark ales. But there'll always be that twist, that something special that makes his beers stand out. Owner and brewer Keys Bubberman started his brewing career in 2007 at Eberlis, a regional brewery in Campeland, Zealand. Within a couple of years, Eberlis became a household name among craft breweries worldwide thanks to the British and American beer styles inspired by IPAs, strong porters and stouts that Bubberman now brewed. Never afraid of trying something new and relying on his experience as a restaurant chef, he created more than 30 new beers, including an IPA with Earl Grey tea, barrel-aged porters and stouts, and strong porters and stouts with coffee. Keyes was ahead of his time with experimental flavours like these. In 2014, Keyes Bubberman decided to start his own brewery in his hometown of Middleburg. Thankful for the opportunities Emerilis had given him, he felt it was time to go on and do his own thing. Brewery Keys launched in January of 2015. Within a year, his delicious IPAs, porters, Russian Imperial Stouts and barrel-aged barley wines, porters and stouts found their way into the beer world. Keys keeps on crafting new beers and searching for new tastes, sometimes following trends and sometimes setting them. This was my second beer from Brauerij Keys. My first encounter of Keys came in June of 2015, on my trip to the Netherlands with Cheryl Cade of Thirst Beers. For those who haven't heard this story, Cheryl Cade is, or was, one of the foreign beer bar managers at Norwich Beer Festival. And in 2014, I got talking to her and she asked me if I wanted to come on a trip she was running the following summer to the Netherlands. And she gave me her contact details checked everything out and I would yeah I'd love to go. So this was a beer trip we had one day to ourselves out of a week everything else was pre-arranged and one of the days we went out to the town of Nijmegen to a bar called Indie Blue Hand which translates as In the Blue Hand and there I drank Browry Keys East India Porter. The beer that came in this Beer 52 box was called Mosaic Hop, a 5.5% Belgian IPA. And the description says, refreshing, lightly amber, with the typical citrus fruit flavour of the Mosaic Hop from the USA. So, let's see what I thought of it. Hey guys, welcome back to another late week of beer reviews here on Beers from Lockdown. 13th of August 2020, I can't believe we're already halfway through August. I've just opened a new box of beer from Beer 52. And my first beer I'm drinking out of that comes from Browerage Keys in the Netherlands. This is a 5.5% IPA. See what the tapped has to say on it. Got the red arrows from practicing the manoeuvres here earlier. The can design, the can art, looks very similar to the Old Garden of Eden. It's very bright colours. Now this is a Belgian IPA. Refreshing lightly amber with tropical citrus flavour of mosaic hop from the USA. Get this out into my glass. I have my Beer 52 Cyberfest 2 glass. 
I've still got the beard out of that box and the Ringside Fest 3 coming up in a couple of weeks. I'll have to need to get my order in for that. Just get straight into my glass and see what I think of it. There we go. There's written something on the side. It says, at the beginning of 2015, Keys Bubberman, oh, that's his name. Keys Bubberman, already a very experienced brewer, started his own brewery. An instant success. His craft beers quickly conquered the Dutch market. They now make their way throughout the world. Pure and craft means the best quality ingredients, plus skill, willfulness, innovation, and depth of knowledge acquired from years of creative brewing. Signed by Keys Bubberman. So there we have it. Five and a half. Back into my glass and see what I think of it. God, it's fizzing out around the top. Oh, it really is fizzing out around the top. There we go. So this is a nice light golden colour. Has a two-finger foamy white head. Mmm, oh, smells tropical. Doesn't just smell like mosaic, that sounds very tropical, that. Let's get it down me and see what I think. Mmm, oh wow, that's nice. Nice, big, juicy, fruity. Little bit of bitterness. Mmm. I like that, it's very sweet, sweet, sweet and fruity, I almost said. It's very sweet and fruity. Cooked with a little bit of bitterness on the back end. Mm. Oh, that is delicious. Can't remember if I had anything from Keys before. And I've seen them in Cellar in Chester and most other places. Look if I've had anything by Keys before. Oh, there we go. I didn't think I'd had anything by them. Hang on. Mm, that was really nice. Really. I'm getting like guava and. Mm, that is really nice. Nice, juicy, refreshing. Just what I need when it's 25 degrees out here. I'm going to give that a 4 out of 5. Absolutely delicious. Alright, I'm going to go. Cheers, guys. Great afternoon. Do yourself what you're doing. Stay safe. Enjoy what you're drinking. Have a good one. And I'll see you soon. De Moorsluthal, beer engineers. Richard Crowsdale meets the Dutch brewers whose dedication to doing its own thing has made it an icon. It's surprisingly rare to find a craft brewery that will acknowledge it isn't for everyone, let alone make it a marketing point. Yet, considering De Moorsluthal's launch beer was a blended imperial stout, it's already clear we're dealing with a pretty rare craft brewery. Why would you do that? I asked co-founder Pim Zomagic. Perhaps a little rudely. Will you try to make a big splash with a challenging or familiar beer? No, replies Pim, in his usual measured tone. It's just what we felt like brewing. Fundamentally, the Moor Stutel has built its considerable success on self-consciously ploughing its own furrow, seeming without expectations or heed for what its potential customers may want to drink. It's one of the most respected names of the Dutch craft beer scene. In fact, it's probably not too controversial to say that alongside de Molen, de Moorsluthal has contributed most to driving the nation's beer evolution. I don't see anything wrong with being crowd pleasers, and a lot of Dutch craft brewers do have great triples, for example. Those just aren't styles we'd choose to drink, so we'd never be interested in brewing them. It's never been part of some great strategy. We've always just brewed what we've wanted, 
and if enough people have enjoyed it, then we brewed more. Another unusual thing about the brewery is that it was founded by four brothers who look eerily similar to each other, from a family of brilliant brewer engineers. In a sense, Pim is the black sheep of the quartet, in the sense that he studied business, whereas his siblings, Tom, Rob and Max, are all mechanical engineers. Perhaps even less surprising then is that the Morslutel means the wrench, or in British English, the spanner. It's certainly interesting working with family, but there are definitely positives for us, I think, says Pim. The answer is that everyone has their own role, so we're not treading on each other. And it means we can have far more honest conversations than we could with people outside the family, because we know it will all be okay after. The brewery started out while the brothers were studying, and originally consisted of a single fermentation vessel in the back room of their father's brewery. On their free evenings and weekends, they would brew on the commercial kit, and fill the fermenter one batch at a time. Gradually extra fermentation vessels are added, then a brew kit, followed by a larger brew kit, and eventually the move to its own dedicated site. Even as the has grown though, even the big business decisions have been driven by the need to brew beer the brothers would be completely happy with, as Pim explains. We start off with a manual bottling line, which was a real pain in the ass because it caused a lot of problems with oxidation. So we had to stop brewing IPAs for a while, until we'd got a canning line set up. We're best known for our dark imperial beers and barrel aging. Although we've also been doing a lot of big punchy IPAs. Kettle sours were next, we're doing a lot of those. We generally try to know one broad category of beer, rather than just going for a hundred styles right from the start. The response to our kettle sours has been great. Again, it's something where we can completely pack it with a lot of flavour, and make something that's quite distinctive. The brother's father, who was also supportive in getting them set up, is still very hands-on and drops into the brewery most days after his own work finishes, to lend a hand and share a drink. He's really played an important part in this. Such a clever guy, says Pim. He's a better engineer than any of us. We're thrilled to have Demore Schlutel in the box this month, not only as a pioneer of the Dutch scene, but also as a brewery that truly embodies the values of authenticity and faith in their customers' good taste. This beer from De Morsluthel was a coconut and chocolate pastry stout coming in at a whacking 8% ABV, called Resonance. Hey guys, welcome back to another beer review. Side beer show, beers from lockdown. 13th of August 2020. Wow, I can't believe we're halfway through August already. My next beer out of this Beer 52 box is a big one. From Debuistruthel, Beer Engineers, Resonance. This is an 8% stout. This is an 8% coconut and chocolate stout. Let's get this out into my glass. I've rinsed out my beer glass from earlier, Slimefest 2. Let's see what this is. It's a completely black can. Even the rim and the key tab are black. The only bit that isn't black is the base. And it's got a yellow waveform all the way around it. Let's crack this and see what I think. That's tight. Right, I'm just going to scan this on untapped and see what untapped has to say about it. There's nothing officially about it on the can. So this is a pastry stout and no, nothing said about it. Right, so let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. That'll do. That'll do for a taster. Right. 
it is completely flat black, no head at all. Oh, it smells of coconut. Cheers, guys. Mmm, oh, wow. Oh, that's nice. Mmm. Quite bitter. Mmm, start sweet. Goes bitter in the middle. And towards the back end. But as soon as the bitterness hits, the coconut hits as well. So you get the sweetness of the chocolate on the front. And then you get the bitterness and the coconut on the back. Mm. Oh, I'm liking that. I'm liking that. Yeah. Mm. It's got a little bit of an odd taste, I'm not quite sure it's got like a very odd bitterness to it but oh I'm liking that yeah I'm liking that Love coconut, especially in beer, especially chocolate coconut, especially anything called Bounty. Absolutely delicious. Mm. It's getting a four out of five. I really like that. <laughs> I don't think I'll do a virtual pub today. I haven't done one for the other one. Um, and it's. I'm just gonna go slowly stick this. Right, I'm gonna go. I'll be back tomorrow with another two, maybe three, dependent on the weather. Have a great evening. Do yourself what you're doing. Stay safe. I'll see you soon. So the next day I started with a can not out of my beer box, but out of my personal selection. A can of beer from a brewery just outside Liverpool. Although technically to Liverpool, Magull is about 15 miles outside the city centre. This was a beer from Neptune Brewery. So who are Neptune Brewery? Neptune Brewery are husband and wife team Les and Julie O'Grady. Big pushers in the beer world, especially in beer activism and promoting women in the beer world. Now, this comes off their website. They were voted Rate Beer Merseyside Brewery of 2018. Who are we? Since 2015 we've been brewing quality beer that is both traditional and modern. We believe beer should always be made with the finest ingredients from the malt through to the hops, yeast and everything else in our brewery. Our beers are cask, keg and can conditioned, unfined, unfiltered and vegan friendly. In keeping with the name of our brewery, the majority of our beers are given water themed names deriving from fish, the sea and mythological creatures. You can find our beers throughout the UK in all good pubs, bars, bottle shops and restaurants. 
and now during the lockdown on their web shop. Visit their website neptunebrewery.com. It's like it was stupidly hot this weekend. Absolutely ridiculously stupidly hot. So I decided to have a beer from Neptune named after a Pearl Jam song. This was their Pilsner. It was called Evenflow. Hey guys, welcome to another day of beer reviews here on the Side Beer Show. Beers from lockdown. 14th of August 2020. I'm starting today with a beer not out of my box. I will be having two a little bit later. But for now, as it's 23 degrees out, I decided I would have a can of beer from just outside Liverpool. My friends at Neptune Brewing. This is a beer inspired by Pearl Jam. This is called Evenflow. It's a 4.5% Hellez Lager and it says on the back of it a light, crisp and clean lager with a subtle sweetness and low bitterness. Pour freely for an even flow. So I can't remember where or when I picked this up. It has a best before October. So I probably picked it up last time I was at the brewery a few months ago to be honest. Don't think I've tried this one from Neptune. I have had it before. I didn't think I'd had it before, but I have had it before. I must have had it at the tap room. Yeah. Last July. So that's obviously when I picked it up. Unless I picked it up in the supermarket somewhere. And it says, Traditionally brewed lagered lager. Pale, slightly fruity and refreshing. Made with Slovenian Styrinol Cardinal hops. It does say that on the can that it's made with Styrian Cardinal. Heller's Lager brewed using Styrian Cardinal hops. Let's get this out into my glass and see what it tastes like when it's 23 degrees out. There you go, three, two, one. A bit premature. I'll just do it up to the third line. Whoa, there's a lot of head on that. Let's pour a nice deep dark golden colour with a one, two, three, four finger foamy white head. I am drinking out of my Wirral Beer Festival glass again today. Haven't had this one out for a while. And my name tag has eventually dropped off it. Finally dropped off it. <laughs> and here comes a dog. <laughs> right. Cheers everyone. Got a dog at my feet, sorry. <laughs> Got a dog sat under the table while I'm feeding him. Alright, let's see what I think of Evenflow Heller's style lager. Mmm, smells interesting. So I had this on draft in the tap room in June 2019. Mmm. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I'm going to try to cool for the dog. Mmm, don't mind that. Mmm. She's fired under the table. Bad that. Nice, sweet, malty. 
not overly hot. But it's not bad for a lager, that. Cheers, guys. Give that a 3.7 out of 5. Yeah, that's not bad, that. Nice, clean, crisp, refreshing lager. Yeah. Enjoying that. Cheers, Les and Julie. Really nice beer. Enjoying that. Mm. Cheers, guys. Have a good afternoon. Do yourself what you're doing. I will be back in a little bit with the first of my two beers out of my beer 52 box. Till then, stay safe. Have fun. And I'll see you soon. We're getting a bit saucy now. We're going to have a bit of full frontal. One of the things I've really missed during lockdown is the opportunity to actually visit the breweries going into the box. It really helps to get a feel for what makes them tick. And I usually get a wee taster from the tanks, which certainly doesn't hurt. So I was delighted when Frontal's Jack Van Proosh suggested a FaceTime virtual tour of the facilities in Breda, close to the border with Belgium. The site we're in now is a former candy factory, explains Jap, wandering between the rows of glimmering fermentation vessels. They moved in 2014 to Eastern Europe and our plan was to get brewing started here in 2016. But it took a long time to get all the licenses and other admin in order. So in 2015 we did a crowdfunding round and set up initially on a very small 100 litre kit just to get going. Then we switched to 200 litres, then 650 litres and then around April 2017 we switched to doing gypsy brewing to get enough volume to start saving for the brewery. Summer 2018 we did another round of crowdfunding. Each of our investors holds real equity in the brewery through something called a C certificate and we finally opened in March of last year. Frontal is the brainchild of founder Roel Buchans and is the result of his personal odyssey through different beer styles and cultures in search of unfamiliar flavours. Over a number of years, before he'd even considered opening a brewery of his own, Roel soaked up as much knowledge as he could lay his hands on through brewery visits and a mountain of brewing literature. This journey is reflected in the ethos of the brewery and the style of the beers it produces. Its mantra is a beer for thought and it seeks to create tastes, colours and smells in beer which stimulates the drinker to wonder what those elements could be caused by. In top line terms, Frontal's focus is on hoppy beers, which makes sense given Roll's international craft education. It's what the brewers drink and enjoy and what gives the brewery an edge among Dutch craft aficionados. Of its four core beers though, two are brewed for a more general market that still demand Belgian styles, a wheat beer and a blonde. Those beers are probably the closest to our DNA and the Bulldog, our IPA and Rhodesian, which is our barley wine. The wheat and blonde are there because the Dutch market is really into those kinds of beers. If you're not selling those beers, you're just stupid. Like a British brewer not making a pale ale. So that's how we built up our core range grade. One half because the mass market wants it, the other half because it's who we are. Recipe creation is very much a team effort, with the sales guys feeding back to the brewers on what is working in the market, while the four brewers inject their own creativity and invention. The result is beers, particularly the brewery's many specials, that are supremely drinkable 
on track with current trends and also distinctively flavoured. In short, the best of all worlds. Frontal's sophisticated label art is a cut above the rest of the usual craft fair and I'm not surprised to hear the artist Jenna is a highly regarded illustrator in the Netherlands working for national newspapers and magazines. We've worked with Jenna from the beginning so she's a huge part of the brand and we're lucky to have her. For the core range we try to build a line so people can see the black and white labels. Then we have a certain setup for the one-offs and another for the collaborations and another for our barrel aid series. I know this is something that divides opinion in the craft world but we really believe label artwork is very important because like it or not you're competing for attention. At the same time Frontal made its long-awaited move to the candy factory it also took the opportunity to open a particularly good-looking tap room with 31 taps of its own beer and curated guest beers. I watched jealously from my spare room as Jap lounges in the bar. When we first started brewing it went out in our shipping container. That container now forms the architecture of the bar. With 31 taps including some guest beers. Business picked up in a very nice but natural way. But unfortunately of course we've had to close down the bar due to coronavirus says Jap. But this is an important place. It's important from a cash flow perspective because we can sell our beers in our own bar. And also from an experience perspective. We believe in the end-to-end -end experience. People come here to the brewery because they want to see the brewers and they want to taste fresh beer. And we really believe that there is no brewery that can survive without its own taproom. That's an interesting attitude. Very American. So our regular customers are more locals of course. But the train station is 500 metres away which is one of the reasons we wanted to move here. It's very easy to travel to here and to get home at the end of the night. So our local area is effectively much bigger than it would be otherwise. We get a lot of beer geese coming from all over the Netherlands and even across the border from Belgium. That said, we're not a central location, so we still have to give people a reason to make the journey. With events and special releases. Even over the sometimes unreliable video call, Frontal looks better than any real candy factory I've visited. So I'm confident that by the time you've read this, and the Dutch lockdown has hopefully ended, beer geeks and regulars alike will be flocking to the brewery in their droves. This was a coffee porter called Daybreak and in defeat of what seems like absolute irony I was sat out on the balcony in the semi-dark drinking it. I was drinking this thing after sunset. Not just after sunset, after dusk. As you'll hear a few comments too in the review. So I was drinking Daybreak at nightfall. I'm doing one last beer from outside and then I'm going in. Two beers for today, I've got my two beers for two beers for I've turned into Arkwright. Bird is the word. Sorry. Bit of word soup. I've my two beers from Beer 52 to drink today. I have my Beer 52 Cyberfest class. And for my first beer, we're having a bit of full frontal. Brewerish frontal from Utrecht. Daybreak. Coffee porter. 6%. Bereda, which I'm assuming is near tracks. It says, brewed with Jaguar espresso beans from Brazil, coffee from Keen Coffee Utrecht. So I assume the brewery is somewhere near Utrecht. So, let's get this out into my glass. This is a black beer, so I'm probably going to be able to see this. Let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. If I can actually see to open it. Now it opens with a hiss. Perfect opening. 
Wow, that's quite black. It's got a one two finger or two and a bit finger foamy tan head. There we go, perfect. So what does it say around the top of the can? It'll be easier reading off the photo. It says beer for thought. That head has quite quickly settled to one finger. Hmm, interesting note. There's coffee there, but it's not overpowering. Mmm, oh, that's nice, nice, rich, very bitter, dark coffee. And this is just coffee, there's no creaminess, there's no chocolate flavours or anything to that. Not too bad that. A little bit water on the back end. I prefer my coffee porters to have a little bit of sweetness to them, but Oh shush. Got the dog dumping at shadows. Got a reflection of the door. Hold on. I'm gonna go close that door. behind me and it's reflecting all the all the light. <laughs> right, where was I? Dog wants to go back in then. Hmm. Not too bad, a little too bitter for me. I like my porters, especially my coffee porters a bit a little bit sweeter than that. But Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Give it that three and a half out of five. Oh, I supposed to be a bit sweeter. Alright, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go in. I've got one more beer to do tonight. Alright, cheers guys. Have a great evening. Enjoy yourselves what you're doing. Stay safe. And I'll see you soon. Our next brewery up comes from Harlem in the Netherlands. There's two really decent breweries from Harlem. One of which unfortunately isn't in this box. But this one was. This is a brewery I first encountered on the Foreign Beer Bar at Norwich Beer Festival in October of 2017. I tried their Oktoberfest beer and didn't think much to it. My next taste of them came seven months later on my first trip to Budapest Beer Week where I drank their Redneck Strawberry Stout which I really enjoyed. By October of 2018 they were being served at Brewdog in Liverpool. And I enjoyed their Apfelstrudel Doppelbox so much, I had it two days running. On the 26th of May 2019, they were once again at Budapest Beer Week, where I drank their 7% Me, Myself and IPA. That I really, really enjoyed. Which was interesting, because three months later, at the end of August 2019, I had it again at the Ship and Mitre in Liverpool, and didn't rate it as highly. And that was my last encounter for almost a year until I drank this beer that I described in the Fremont magazine as the brewery with the unpronounceable name. And to look at it, yes, it may look unpronounceable. However, I have run it through Google Translate and the name is pronounced... Elgin. Elgin. 
which translates as Owlet. The brewery's logo is an owl and their description on untapped says Fueled by mischief and a monomaniacal mission to brew fucking good beer. Sorry mum. We operate on the delirious fringes of hop culture. Not craft, but crafty beer with a sharp and compromised tongue. From our medieval Dutch brew town Harlem, we toy with extremes, decoding beer with a hacker's lust for provocation. Deering beer from a tiny owl that thumbs his nose at the mindless masses. Welcome home, my friend. Welcome home. This is what Beer 52's Richard Crowstale wrote about. Hoppy birds. This unpronounceable Dutch brewery. Elgin. Blew us away in the Beer 52 tasting panel. So Richard Crowstale caught up with Elgin to get the inside track on its punchy hop-forward beers. Elgin has been brewing beer in its current swanky brewery since 2016. But before this, like many Dutch breweries, it contract brewed its beers for the first four years of its life at Joppen Brewery. Elgin. Founder Robert started his journey working behind the bar at Joppen. But as his homebrew hobby became more serious, the owners spotted his talent and moved him onto the brewery floor. It was a natural progression for him to move from his garage onto the commercial kit he was using in his day job and Earl Jeff was born. With his background in precise and technical world of contract brewing, it's no surprise that when Robert made the decision to strike out on his own in 2015, he invested heavily in kit, with the support of a highly successful crowdfunding campaign. His four-vessel brew kit and large fermentation hall were arguably over-specified for what he needed at the time, but they allowed Earl Jeff to produce excellent beers in a technically challenging styles from day one, as well as scaling up production to meet growing demand. All of which sounds rather sterile and joyless, yet the brewery and the beers it produces are anything but. With a reputation for being hopped forward in a market still dominated by lagers and Belgian-influenced craft beers, Ulge's IPAs and pale ales are like hoppy liquid sunshine, as good as anything you'll find in more hop-centric beer markets. There's still a lot of influence from our southern neighbours when it comes to beers and beer styles, says the brewery's Bart Van Cleef. When I started working freshly in this industry, about, let's say, 15 years ago, no idea had ever heard of an IPA. I remember the first American IPA I ever had, which was Humming Ale from Anchor, and I was blown away. Trying not to sound too much like a fanboy, I remark that tasting Ilge's flagship IPA, Bird of Prey, for the first time, reminded me of those lucky occasions visiting the US when I'd been able to grab a can right off the brewery's packaging line. One of the key reasons for its success is it's been focused on freshness, perhaps demonstrated by its innovative fresh and fast service in which beers are transported cold to subscribers' doorsteps within 48 hours of being packaged. It's also why, aside from a few supermarkets still demanding bottles, Elgier insists on cutting all of its beers, even though this is far from the norm in the Netherlands. This was a juicy pale ale called Trackdown. And all these beers are reviewed in a two-week cycle, so this was my last beer of week one, making it the last beer of this section before we go to our song. And I apologise profusely to Ilja, because when I did the review, I hadn't looked up how to pronounce their name. Oops. Hey guys, welcome back to my final beer review for this week. I have a can of beer from what the Beer 52 Ferment magazine describes as the brewery with the impossible name. This is Uiltige from Harlem in the Netherlands. There you go. U I L 
TJE. I'm going to give that a go. And this one is called Trackdown, and it's got a cartoon on the side of it. So their thing is owls. Their logo is an owl, and all their things are owls. So it's got a little cartoon on the side of it. Four clicks north. Yes, sir. Track him down. Have him in sight. It's your call. It's a pint of beer they've got in. But when you do, sip ASAP. Plus store cool and dark so no one sees us. This is described as a juicy pale ale. It's 5.2%. It comes in a 330ml can. Right, so let's get this out into my glass. I have my full pint glass tonight. My Royal Beer Festival glass. So I'm going to fill this to the two-thirds line. Whoa. That's lively. That fizzed out over the top. That's been in the fridge for a few hours. About five hours in the fridge, that one. Wow, that's lively. Shit. I poured a little bit in and the head's all the way up to almost the half line. That's poured a dark golden colour with a one, two, three, four finger foaming white head. Oh, there we are. That's still got a massive head, but I'm going to give that a go. Mmm, smells fruity, smells pineapple, guava, all sorts of tropical fruits in there. So let's get this down me and see what I think of it. It is a very hazy golden colour. Mmm, oh wow, that's nice. Mmm, not bad. 5.2%, a little bit watery at the back end, but... Yeah. Yeah, this brewery is from Harlem in the Netherlands, and the Beer Fifty Two magazine describes them as the beer, the uh, the beer, the brewery with the impossible name. Mmm, it's quite nice, that yeah, nice, sweet, juicy, fruity. What's the time there? It is ten past ten in the evening. I'm gonna give that a. <laughs> I'm in the future. <laughs> What's the future like? It's filled with beer. Someone said, well, you're in the future. It's only 2pm there. From England, yeah. 2pm. American East Coast. It's not too bad. It's a bit watery, but... Mm. Could do with a little bit more body, but I don't mind the taste. I'm going to give that a... 3.8. 3.8 out of 5. Yeah, 3.8 out of 5 for Hetutige Trackdown. Juicy Pale Ale. It's nice, it's just lacks a little something for me. Alright, have a great evening. Enjoy yourselves what you're doing. Stay safe.
with the Netherlands craft beer revolution began. Richard Crowsdale meets Mano Olivier, the man behind the mole. With his iconic windmill home on the banks of Udrigian River, 
in the village of Bygraven, Brewery's de Molen, meaning the mill, is one of the world's most instantly recognisable breweries and has been the driving force behind Dutch craft beer since the day it opened its doors in 2004. With a hugely varied roster of beers ranging from strong English barley wines to stouts, lagers and saisons, it has over the years managed to achieve the magic combination of consistently nailing everything it turned its hand to, yet remaining as experimental and groundbreaking as it ever was. At the centre of Tremolan's story is its founder, the gruff but charming Mano Olivier. After 12 years of brewing experience, Mano decided it was the right time to start his own brewery, initially in the less glamorous setting of his garage. Luckily for everyone, just as he was thinking of taking his next steps in 2004, the local windmill, De Arcduf, became available, and he saw it as a perfect fit. The brewery was renamed Brewerie de Molen, for obvious reasons, and joined the Brow Café de Molen, a beer-focused restaurant, tasting room and beer shop. Five years later, in 2009, John Bruce arrived on the scene as Menno's partner in crime, and, together, the pair have planned their way through what they have already identified as the Netherlands' nascent craft beer scene. A key part of this plan was a serious bump in capacity, which meant moving to Molens Brewing in 2011 to a new brew house just 60 metres down the road, whilst keeping the Agdorif on for the Brow Café as the brewery's spiritual home. When I started I was doing crazy things and people thought I was some sort of Neanderthal or something, because there was nothing else like this, says Menno. It took me a couple of years to get known, but then, especially when we could have people come to the brewery and steal the shiny stainless steel, we finally began to gain some acceptance. These early years weren't easy though in a market dominated through imported lager, says Menno. There was simply no domestic demand for the kind of quality flavouring some beers that were already gouging big lagers homogeny in America and other parts of Europe. If you can put in the equipment you need and invest in a proper lab, you have so much more control. You can get a core age that's completely consistent, which then allows you to experiment on the other hand. Sure, we could just say our beers are all as good as they can possibly be and probably still grow the business. But that's not why we do this. The day I stop thinking of new recipes, I think will be the day I die. This approach sees Menno and John release a new unique beer every six weeks or so, alongside the steady range of around 20 year-round beers and a programme of prolific collaborations with international breweries. De Bolden is such a global ambassador for Dutch brewing, I'm curious whether Mano feels any kind of pressure or responsibility for setting the direction and pace for hundreds of breweries that have followed in his wake. Nope, he answers candidly. I mean, everybody's responsible for their own brewing and entitled to their own opinion. So enough to feel responsible for what I'm doing, without worrying about anyone else. Well, okay, I can be rude to another brewery if I think their beer is not okay. But that's only because if people start saying that Dutch beer is crap, That'll hurt my sales too. Stitching Philadelphia. Brewery's de Molen has an internal workshop for mentally disabled people. In close cooperation with the Philadelphia Foundation and accompanied by their own monitor, they support the production process of Molen beers. An average of about 14 of these colleagues assist with labelling the bottles, folding the boxes, cleaning up and other useful work. It was either lager at that time or Belgian beer. Some of those Belgian guys still think they make the best beer in the world, he says with a laugh. So initially, we hardly sold anything at home, to be honest, because that door was shut to us. At one time, around 80% of our sales were export, but gradually people here began to discover what was happening in the rest of the world, and they found they already had an experimental brewery in the Netherlands, and that's when things started to take off. Fast forward to 2020, and export is down to around 25%. Overtaken by surging domestic demand, though it's still an important part of the business, 
with beers going to markets including Japan, Brazil, Norway, Spain, India, Canada, the US, Denmark, Poland and yes, even Belgium and the UK, I hope. The brew house is now home to a team of 18, including Mano and Gion, working hard to meet the demand for old favourites while still pushing in exciting new directions. Mano's view of this continuing evolution is interesting. I put it to him that there's a relentlessness in many creative brewers, a constant rolling excitement for the next brew, but this doesn't ring quite true. Relentlessness is, I think, not the right word for me, he says. I'm not impatient like that. We're driven more by wanting to always get better at brewing, even now. When we're developing a new recipe, it will often be because of something we've tried before, but feel we can improve upon. I used to believe you could only make great beer in a small brewery, but I've changed my mind about that. Today I have a beer of... a beer of bock... a beer of bottle... <laughs> I'm sorry, drinking it. Today I have a bottle of beer out of my latest beer 50C box from the Netherlands and this is one of my favourite Dutch breweries very very rarely these guys fail to impress me this is Brewerij de Molen and they brew in a windmill or they did when I spoke to them last time I think it was at um, was it, was it, it was at Barcelona last year they said they're not brewing in the windmill anymore but they've still got it as their tap in their shop and their beers are always something and something this one is Hugs and Kisses, which I'm fairly sure has been translated for Beer 52, simply because it's always something and something in Dutch. Like Ver and Vlam, Fire and Flame. I unfortunately can't find my De Heidebrugge bottle opener tonight, so she's standard dancing lady. If you want to know why she's called the dancing lady, because when you put her in your glass of wine, you turn the corkscrew, you lift to get your cork out, and it looks like it's dancing. There you go. Bottle opener on the top. This one is three and a half percent. And the description for this one on tap says, Your nose senses herbal, grassy and citrus tones, as well as in the taste of this delicious, full-bodied summer beer. A bitter finish completes the quality experience. And someone's actually rated it down because it was too sweet for them. That's a strange reason to rate a beer down, but there we go. Right, so that's your bottle. Plain white label with plain black text and an ingredients list name, website, brewery logo and ingredients list. This is what all the Molen beer looks like. This is a session IPA-ish. Coming in at 3.5%. Comes in a 330ml bottle or a 33cl bottle. There's your Demolin bottle cap. So let's get this out into my glass and see what I think. Very rarely gone wrong with Demolin, so... There we go. My beer 52 Cyberfest 2 glass. We've got Cyberfest 3 coming up over August Bank Holiday weekend. I've got my pack of particular beer. So there it is. It pours a very dark golden colour. It's got a quarter finger foamy white head. Lots of carbonation there. Lots of bubbles running up it. Wow, that smells citrusy. I'm getting lemon, I'm getting grapefruit. Mmm, that smells good.
There we go. Right, let's see what this tastes like then. So that is very dark gold, almost amber in colour. Wow. Hmm, that's interesting. Not really my thing. Very malty. A little bit of malty sweetness on it. What do I compare the taste to? It's very malty but very thin, very watery, but it is only 3.5%. What taste there is, is of malt, to be honest. It's weird because I'm not getting that grapefruitiness that I get on the nose. Maltesers. If you nibbled all the chocolate off, or Horlicks. Mm. Rooting so I'm drinking Hugs and Kisses from Demolin. And I've got another review on Facebook. Welcome, Matthew. What country is it from? Netherlands. Everything I'm reviewing today and tomorrow is from the Netherlands. So I've been out to the Demolen Tap when I was out in the Netherlands on one of my first trips abroad back in 2013. Mm, that's a difficult one because that's not really on my radar. That um, I'm going to give that a mm, it's a bit too thin and watery for me. I'm going to give that two and a half out of five. Not really my thing. Pity because the molding is usually quite nice. Most people are rating it three and four, but it's not for me that, unfortunately. There we are. Ah, good people drinking good beer who are from Hungary, from Budapest. They rated it two and a half back in 2017. So, yeah, not my thing. Sorry to mold them. But I'm willing to try, I'm willing to try anything. Give it a try for yourself. Not really my thing, might be somebody else's. It was bottled on the 5th of the 6th, 20, and the best before was the 5th of the 7th, 21. So it's got a year and a month on it. Right, I'm going to go. From Bodegraven, we are travelling 38 miles north to Amsterdam and a brewery called Oedipus. However, in the review, I do say it as Oedipus. This is what Oedipus have to say about themselves on their website. The story of Oedipus, the beginning. Our story, strangely enough, began by drinking beer. Drinking lots of beers from breweries around the world, Oedipus actually traces its origins to when the founders, Alex, Paul, Sander and Rick, worked in other renowned beer bars. Proof? Yes, that's us in Beer Temple, a USA-focused beer bar here in Amsterdam. From these humble beginnings, we present to you the story of our unfolding and at times meandering and growth and development. In the Beer Temple, we discovered an array of flavours we are not used to drinking in the Netherlands. Although we attended many Dutch beer events, sipping our way through festivals abroad has really helped open our eyes, imaginations and taste buds to new possibilities. We were amazed to see young people, men and women alike, enjoying craft beers. Our own love of beer 
and exposure to a variety of alternative taste sensations motivates us to become part of the beer community where like-minded people enjoy the beauty that is the diversity of this drink. From then on, our mission became clear. Transform the Dutch beer scene landscape by making quality beer available and appealing to everyone. Learning the basics. Of course, before we could change beer, we first need to learn how to actually brew something tasty. Like most amateurs, we started by home brewing in our kitchens, yet we were serious from the start, experimenting with a variety of ingredients and carefully logging our recipes and results. From the get-go, diversity and the science of good taste were key to our approach. So we decided to brew different recipes each week and then split the batches between different fermenters. This taught us a great deal about ingredients, styles, fermentation and brewing methods. Much like we do today, we made some crazy brews. How did we learn how to brew? Practice, tasting, practice, talking with countless home and professional brewers, more practice and even more tasting. Our approach has been anyone can homebrew and shouldn't be discouraged by the technical aspects of beer making. By relying on an active community of homebrewers and their YouTube channels, we were able to troubleshoot complications and fix our own brewing equipment. Elated that our first batches need not be flushed, we began taste testing. Yet we didn't drink all the beer ourselves, instead choosing to save most bottles to enjoy, share and critique with others. Feedback from our friends, family, fellow brewers and festival goers continues to be a critical part of the process in refining Oidipus beers. The beer I had from Oidipus was a 6% stout, first brewed in 2013, called Panty. This is what their website says about it. Dark and smooth and a little elastic, with a soft mouthfeel. This is our panty. She is a stout. She has roasted chocolate flavours but isn't sweet. We used American Cascade hops and dry malts for some licorice aromas and fermented it with an American ale yeast strain, making it clean and dry. We fully recommend drinking panty in bed or out at 10 to 12 degrees C. Panty in Dutch means tights or stockings, whereas in English it means knickers or underpants. So let's see what I thought of it. Thank you and welcome. Tonight I am drinking Panty. This is a 6% stout from Oedipus Brewing. There's your bottle. I love the Oedipus logo. There's your Oedipus bottle cap. And the description for this one untapped says Panty, we want to be a rich stout that is still an easy drinker. Roasted, caramelised and some rye malts enhance the body of this beer. Together with Cascade hops, the flavours of Panty are mostly roasty, chocolate and licorice like. So this sounds really good. This sounds absolutely amazing. Class as an American stout. And if I disappear off, it's because I've got a beer delivery from Tesco coming between 9 and 10. Still can't find my bottle opener, so still got the dancing lady. What's she called the dancing lady? When you open a bottle of wine, the cork comes off like that and she goes up like that. To get the cork out of you, like that. And like she's dancing, so it's a dancing lady. I have my flavourly glass for tonight. I average the other one out, I'm going to drink the other beer out of it. Let's see what I think of Oedipus. Panteo, it does have a barcode. This was bottled on the 16th of the 4th, 20. And it has three years on it. Best before 16th of the 4th, 23. And it's not the longest date I've got on a beer. I've got one beer at home. I've got an Imperial Stout at home that's out of date in 32. It's out of date in 2032. Right, let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. Falls on the floor, I'll pick that up later. A nice black colour, it's got a one finger tan head. 
Ooh, it smells good. It smells sweet. It smells chocolatey. Maybe getting a little bit of strawberry even. More a dark caramel colour, more cocoa colour than black that I'd expect from a porter or a stout. Right, let's see what I think of it. Mmm. Oh, that is delicious. Wow. Yeah, really nice. Mmm. Nice good roasted flavours throughout. It's got like a sweetness to begin with. I'm pulling down my panties tonight. <laughs> Panty style from Oedipus Brewing in the Netherlands. Where are Oedipus Brewing, just out of curiosity? Anywhere, this is the Netherlands, so I probably won't be able to pronounce it. I'm getting that licorice tone. Oh, Amsterdam. I thought Oedipus are actually from Amsterdam. Nice. Cheers. Great bar in Amsterdam called Gull. Someone said it looked fruity and although it does have a chocolate and it also tastes a little bit of red fruit. Although it's got a little taste of black fruit and red fruit. It's really nice. I'm really enjoying that. Mmm. Well done Oedipus. 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 O-E-D-I-P-U-S. Oedipus? Maybe? I've always said Oedipus. I was getting a 4 out of 5. That is absolutely delicious. Really enjoying that. Little bit of chocolatey, a little bit of licorice, it says it's licorice, a little bit of licorice, a little bit of red fruit. And it's a very dark amber colour rather than black for a stout. Yeah, that is really nice. Really, really nice. 4 out of 5. Have a great evening. Enjoy yourself what you're doing. Stay safe. And I'll see you soon. From Amsterdam we are heading south, 113 kilometres, or 70 miles, to the town of Breda and Brouwerierge Frontal. The microbrewery from Breda. Brouwerierge Frontal was founded in 2015 by Roel Buchens. After years of searching for different flavours and aromas in existing beers, Roel has become a self-taught professional brewer after getting a lot of experience at existing breweries and by immersing himself in the wealth of brewing literature. We are a brewery that stands on innovation, balance and creativity, but also for transparency, accepting the clarity of our beers. This all reflects in the taste of our beer, in our labels, but also in the way our brewery acts. We brew according to the slogan, Beer for Thought. With this, we mean creating tastes, colours and smells in beer, which stimulates the drinker to wonder about what those elements could be caused by, in addition to looking to the effects of the ingredients. One could also think about which dish the beer pairs with, or what time of day is best to drink it. We hope to take you along with our ideas and that you can taste them in our beers. Cheers! And this beer was called Bulldog IPA. Hey guys, welcome back. Alright, it's our beer show. Beers from lockdown. Where are we? 18th of August 2020. This afternoon I am going full frontal. It's 20 past 5, 25 past 5, so it's time to go full frontal. This is a can frontal brewery from the Netherlands. This is Bulldog 6% IPA. There it is. It's a white can with a black design on it. And the artwork is almost Mikla like. It's a 
cartoon guy in a car with a bulldog sticking its head out the window. Got my beer, two Cyberfest 2 glass. Cyberfest 3 box has just arrived. Wasn't expecting that so soon. I would have got on earlier, but I was expecting my Cyberfest 3 box. Right, the description for this on Untapped simply says New version of Bulldog. A really fruity IPA with citron mosaic, centennial, and cascade. Right, let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. This is 6%, and it has a use by of 6 of them on it. Six canned, six of the fifth, twenty. Best before, six of the sixth, twenty-one. So the all these frontals seem to have a year and a month on them. Right, here we go then. Looking these on my own today. <laughs> I'm on my own here for the moment. So. Oh, that looks good. Nice clean golden colour. The dog can't decide if she's coming or going. And she's off back in. So that's settled, it's got next to no head, it's got a extremely foamy head but there's about half finger head. It is a nice clean dark golden colour, completely opaque. I'm getting the citrusy notes off it. It said it had citra and centennial. So yeah, that smells good. Mmm. Ooh. Ooh, that's quite nice actually. Mmm. Not too bad. It's got a bit of a strange taste on it. Mmm. Mmm. What is that? It's like Something soapy, maybe like peach. Where's the dog? There you are. Come here, man. Mmm. Mmm, sweet, juicy, fruity. Not 100% convinced by that strange taste on the back end. It's like a peachy taste, like a soapy taste. Mm. Not too bad, it's very thick, but 6% and it's extremely thick. So I'm just checking where the dog is. Mm. It's got a strange sort of soapy creaminess on the back end. All in all, not a bad beer. Not a bad little beer. It contains Citra, Mosaic, Centennial and Cascade. Palau malt, wheat malt and oats. That's why it's so thick. It's not bad, I'm going to give that, give that a three and a half out of five. I don't mind it, but I'm not, 
entirely convinced by that strange taste on the back end. Cheers guys, have a great afternoon, do yourself what you're doing, stay safe, and I'll see you soon. For our final beer this week, we are going back on ourselves. From Breda, we are heading back north, 62 and a half miles, back up to Amsterdam, to a brewery called Puchiat and Carter, which translates as Cat and Hangover. This is what they have to say about themselves on their website, about us. The story of Puchat and Carter starts in 1733, when Jan von den Bosch started his brewery and vinegar factory. That's a good combination, isn't it? De Gegrunde Volk, on Hügelkadjik in Amsterdam. In 1791, the brewery was named after new owner Jan Maschekt van Vollenhoven. It exported its beers all over the world and was the largest brewery in the Netherlands in around 1900. Its most famous and most consumed beer was Van Vollenhoven's Extra Stout. In 1949, the brewery was taken over by Heineken. Moments later, the brewery was closed and the brewing volumes were transferred to the Heineken and Amstel boilers. Only the old Van Vollenhoven's Extra Stout survived and was still brewed and marketed on a small scale. When Heineken stopped producing the stout at the beginning of this century, the Gekroon de Valk Foundation sees its chance. It owns the original recipe and has been marketing the illustrious Van Vollenhoven's extra stout itself since 2006. When Jesse Van Vollenhoven approached the foundation in 2014 to start a beer brewery, the choice was quickly made. In March of 2017, and Carter Brewery opened its doors and brews Van Vollenhoven beers again as usual. This is what they say about themselves on Untapped. In 2017, we opened the doors to our brewery and poof locale, tasting rooms, located in Amsterdam Oost. Our dream was to bring back and celebrate historic Dutch craft beers and the people who brewed them. Since then, we've seen this dream come to reality with the launch of our historic Van Vollenhoven series, reviving recipes made in the Netherlands at the brewery de de Kroon de Valk from 1733 to 1945. And with our modern brews, we draw inspiration from the old brewery employees. We currently offer up a core range of eight beers, available all year long, and three seasonals, released throughout the year. We also make special small batch and collaboration brews, offering a wide selection of craft beers for your taste. Come and try one of our beers at our Puflacal, fresh from the tank, seven days a week. And this beer, the final beer for this week, was the beer that started it all. Van Vollenhoven Extra Stout. Hey guys, welcome back. My last beer out of this box from the Netherlands is a strong one. This is Van Vollenhoven Extra Stout. Coming in at 7.1%. There it is, there's something written on the back of it, but it's in Dutch. So let's see what Untapped has to say on this. I hate that, I wish I could find a way to stop that from happening. I don't know if it's on all smartphones or just on Apple. If you leave an app open for too long, it resets. Oh, there we are. That's the brewery. And Kita. This is Pusset and Kita v. Vollenhoven. Van Vollenhoven and Co. These guys are also from Amsterdam. It says, Pusset and Kita's Van Vollenhoven Extra Stout is based on a recipe from the original Van Vollenhoven brewery that existed in Amsterdam during the 18th century. It has a rich, full malt body, roasted flavour note. This was the top selling beer in the Netherlands in the second half of the 19th century 
and was shipped all over the world. Pure Sassen Caters Van Vollenhoven Extra Stout is our flagship beer. We are proud to make it once again for beer lovers of today. To Sidefest class, still haven't found my Dehyde Brewery bottle opener, so we've got the Dancing Lady again. Anyway, let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. This is 7.1%. Ah. Took two attempts to get the cap off. That should be enough to taste. Mmm, smells interesting. Mmm. It's an extra sour, which means it's a dry stout. Unfortunately, mm. a little bit chocolatey. Very bitter, a little bit of raspberry, maybe. Um, cheers, guys. Mm. No, not my thing, that. I like my sweet stouts, that's quite a bitter stout. There's a little bit of sweet something, like a raspberry taste or something, but it's really dry, it's really bitter. Mm. It's not bad for what it is, but I'll give that a three and a half out of five. It's nice, but it's not really my thing. It comes in a 375ml bottle. No, it doesn't. It comes in a 330ml bottle. Alright, I'm going to go. That's your bottle. It's got a... Some sort of bird of prey, kestrel or something, with a wearing a crown. Yeah, it's okay. Not really my thing. Other people may really enjoy this. I, I'm just not a fan of dry stouts. But you're still getting a three and a half out of five. It's not that bad. And I dig that funky sort of raspberry taste it has on the back end. Alright, I'm going to go. Have a great evening. Enjoy yourself what you're doing. Stay safe. And I'll see you soon. If you have any comments, questions... Or if there's anything you've seen that you think I should try and review, then you can get in contact by emailing cyberbeer at cyberbeer.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram using at cyber underscore beer. Or you can find us on Facebook by typing in cyberbeer. And if you want to see the process in process, follow me on Twitter and Periscope. Periscope is just at cyberbeer, all one word. Or you can watch through the Twitter account or on the Facebook account. I go live on Facebook as well. On a Monday and a Tuesday, set your notifications because I never really know when I'm going to go live. Don't have a set time. It depends on the weather. It's sometimes afternoon, sometimes it's evenings. Sometimes it's a bit of both. And occasionally I do a weekend as well, a Saturday or a Sunday. Or both. So just stay tuned to find out what's going on. So like, set your notifications. So you're notified when I go live to find out where I am and what I'm doing that week. And remember to subscribe to the podcast so you get the next episode when it drops.